Hi, and welcome to a novel ending podcast. We're your hosts, Joanna and Kat. We chat about all things revisions, the fun stuff, the not so fun stuff, and the seriously, I've written like 10 novels now. Why doesn't this get any easier stuff? Join us while we share our enthusiasm and tips to help you tackle your next draft before it tackles you. Hi, everyone. On today's episode, we are going to be discussing ways to keep your plot moving forward so it doesn't get stale, stagnant, anything like that. But first, we have our question of the day. Would you rather love a book that everyone hates or hate a book that everyone loves? I think for me, I hate a lot of books people love. (laughs) And when I was looking over this question, I was trying to come up with like a concrete example of a book that everyone loves. And I'm just like, nope. I I have lots of movie examples, but I know there are some books. What about you though? I'm definitely also usually dislike books that everyone else loves. So I'm comfortable there. But I think that I would rather love a book that everyone hates, honestly. Sometimes I wish I got it what everyone else gets. Or maybe I wish I wasn't as picky of a reader so that I could Mm -hmm. enjoy more books. Yeah, that's true. I think a lot of the time when I don't like a book that everyone else does like, sometimes it's genre, but I think sometimes I want more depth to the story or a plot that moves better. (laughs) Speaking of which, uh, yeah, we can go ahead and dive on into our episode. Kind of to start this out, and I feel like I might have hinted at this a little bit with my pet peeves, because I don't like when plots or circumstances in novels are coincidental to the point where it avoids conflict for characters or makes things easy for characters. For plot, you want more cause and effect. Yes, I think that sometimes when you're putting a book together, you think, oh, this should happen, and this should happen, and this should happen. And it sounds nice, but if it's just sort of like episodic happenstance, like I want to put a dance scene in my high school young adult novel, but there's no real reason for that, and there's no cause and effect to what happens at that dance, then you lose a lot of momentum. Yeah, and something that I especially... In later revisions, and I try to do this at the beginning, but I find this is easier for me in a draft three or draft four is I just like to question why. For instance, the novel I'm writing now, this one girl kind of tries to kidnap this other, like my main character and like drag her to this one place. And I'm like, but why would she do that? And I actually can't come up with a great reason right now. So I'm like, oh, okay. So that's something to fix next (laughs) thing. So, you know, it's not necessarily what the author wants. You know, sometimes what the author wants isn't the best for the story. So it's like questioning character motivations and things like that, which all would like affect the plot and like what they do action wise from beat to beat. Well, and without the why, without knowing the answer why, then the author will often force things to Um, which is maybe the opposite of that coincidence, um, sort of happenstance, the scene and the scene, where you're like forcing something, you want this to happen. And so you force it to happen. But without the why, without the backstory, it doesn't make sense. Um, And the reader is often left thinking like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why would they do that? I do think that why is kind of related to is that necessary, which are my two favorite editing questions. Mm -hmm. So if you are 
struggling with cause and effect and not knowing where to go in your story, or you're looking over revisions and have noticed that things don't necessarily lead from one scene to the next, some of the things that you can do would be to think about the last scene you wrote or a scene you wrote and think about who would have an immediate reaction to whatever happened in that scene that would force the plot. So definitely your main character, but also anyone else in that scene, what would they leave and go do that would then affect the plot or your character further down the line. And definitely think about if you come back into a scene later and you left someone really angry, you have to make sure that you resolve that before they're in another scene happy again and not thinking about this thing that they were angry about. Cause and effect helps us with that too to make sure that we're not dropping things off and forgetting about things and leaving plot holes in our wake. Right. I think when a lot of people think of plot holes, initially you think of kind of external plots, but I do think it fully applies to emotional plots too, like having, you know, plot holes in characters, like you said, reactions or like emotions towards other characters or an event that just happened or things like that. I I have seen authors skip over emotional beats and you're like, wait, but they just went through this super traumatic thing. And then now we see them next morning and it's as if none of it happened. And it's like, you know, that's not true to life. It takes most people, you know, some time to like process and things like that. So yeah, so I think keeping it in mind for external plots and um, internal emotional plots is really important. Well, and I've also seen where a writer will be so focused on their main character or their point of view that some big thing happened and that main character got in a fight with a side character and both of them are angry with each other. But then when we come back to that point of view later, the side character that was angry, just there was no writing where that person came to the main character and confronted them the main character has dealt with their anger maybe and and there's some talk about how they got over it where they came to but there's other people in the book besides the main character so that person's going to do something about their anger not just walk away and forget about it and act as if nothing happened yeah that's why there's so many moving parts in a story and you know especially a good story has like all these wheels spinning at the same time which is why writing is very hard (laughs) there's a lot to keep track of right even stuff that's not on the page right things that other characters would be doing that come back in later and that sort of leads us to what antagonists or plot lines might be working against what happened so let's go back to my previous example If you have two characters that get in the fight and the um, side character, or maybe I'll just say sidekick to make it easier. You know, the sidekick isn't on every page. The main character goes along. Other things are happening. But um, something that person is doing, the antagonist or anyone else, is working off the page that will come back in effect. Even if a character isn't on a page, in the world that you have created, they're still doing stuff. And a writer kind of needs to know what that is. So when they do get reintroduced into the story, you know, you're kind of able to pick up with where their emotions kind of are. Like if the example with the fight, if it's two friends fighting, if, you know, the next time we see this character, they like key the person's car or like something, you know, like all of that makes sense if they've had a day to like build up on this anger or, you know, something. It's also probably a weird example, but yeah, definitely... (laughs) Get what you mean that, you know, just because you're not 
seeing something on the page doesn't mean there aren't things working in the background and they have to make sense when they pop up again. You definitely have to keep track of everyone's state of mind and what they're feeling for them to be real when they show back up on the page. And that can help spur your cause and effect because they're doing things too that are going to affect the main plot line. Do you think that if you write a scene and you can't figure out how anybody would react to it, that there's a problem inherent in that scene? I think it could be either one of two problems. One, a problem where the scene was forced by the author and doesn't feel natural and organic in the context of the story. And so you're trying to like force these reactions that just don't... (laughs) ring true. So that problem, or it's a character issue where maybe you don't know your characters enough or they're not developed enough. Yeah. So I I think it can be multiple things, but I would say it probably trends more towards the authors trying to force a plot event that doesn't really make sense for the things that have come before it. I also think sometimes when you're stuck like that, you can move on to the second plot or another subplot to the next chapter and hopefully build up to a place where they kind of run into each other. You know, sometimes that switching back and forth between subplots and leading them on a train track into a collision can also ultimately feel like cause and effect, even if you're swapping back and forth between the two. I'm usually, I have to go chapter by chapter by chapter in order when I write But there have been many circumstances where I've skipped like chunks of chapters because I just can't figure out what that plot needs to be in that moment. But by working out like later plot points, it kind of helps me unravel like what should come before that. So yeah, I think that's a good way to unstick yourself sometimes um, if you have like plot holes in the earlier parts of your novel. So what do you do, Kat, when you are revising a novel and you're finding the plot holes and just seeing a lack of cause and effect? So one of the tools that I use most are note cards. So I'll have a note card for every chapter and I'll post them up on my wall by my writing desk. And what I'm writing on those note cards really are the plot beats for each chapter. So it's a really great way for me to see all of my plot, you know, my subplots kind of all mapped out together. So what I'll do is stare at it mindlessly for hours. So after I do the note cards, something else I like to do is just write a bunch of ideas of what could happen for that plot point, you know, because they say sometimes you're like, first five ideas aren't the best or are the most tropey or cliche or, you know, the easiest, you know, and you don't want things to be, you know, easy in your novel. So yeah, so I'll just do like a brain dump of what things could be. And sometimes it is as easy of like, oh, yeah, I just need to like tweak this chapter or this scene or things like that. But sometimes it, it does require a bigger overhaul. I don't know. What do you when you find a plot hole? Like what do you do? So I use a plot graph to see where my holes are and try to try to rearrange from there. Try to figure out why the cause and effect isn't linked and you know what could make it linked, what would make sense to like sort of inevitably propel one scene into the next. So that mm-hmm. helps me a lot in my revisions, scene-wise, to keep movement in the story. And when in doubt, you go to fresh eyes and a critique partner and say, what's going wrong here? Help me. Yes. Mm, yeah. I also think that 
sometimes I'll just write something when I'm drafting that I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. Kind of sounds like I'm hinting at something to come that I have no idea what I'm hinting at. But if you like have some of those little questions throughout, you can use those to propel your cause and effect and like go back, reread, see where you might have one of those questions and spend a little bit. It's the perfect time usually to answer that question. And so that kind of thing can keep your story moving too. I think that authors a lot of times try to hold too much to their chest. They have all these great ideas for all these great reveals and they're going to like give them all to us at the climax or maybe save a bunch for the next book. And I, my newest editor advice um, recently is to not hold anything back. Like I'm not saying let everybody know all the good stuff in the first chapter, but trust your brain, trust your creativity that if you dole it out, evenly throughout the story that you'll figure something else cool out for the next book. I think dropping questions fairly evenly spaced throughout and answering questions, little reveals fairly spaced evenly throughout is another way to definitely keep your story moving. People like those questions. Readers like those questions. They want to know the answers. So if it's like a, you know, trail of crumbs all the way through, they're going to be like picking those up, ready to go, ready to find out more. So I do see a lot of times with clients that people are holding everything for the climax and sure that may make the climax awesome. Sometimes it makes the climax too overwhelming and like there's too much information right there and you have to explain too many things than when the action or emotion is at its most intense. So being able to spread that kind of stuff out helps propel your story and propel the reader through your story. Yes, I definitely like reveals when they're scattered throughout the story rather than clustered. Either you get a bunch in the climax or you just get like this one big thing that will answer, you know, every question I've ever set up in this novel. It's kind of like, whoa. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's all the stuff that keeps your readers reading and turning the page and staying up way past their bedtime. There's no guarantee that a reader is going to get to the end of your book. You know, if you keep just setting up questions and you aren't answering any of them or giving some of the exciting parts early, you know, a reader might just put your book down and, and then never get to the end. So mm-hmm. yeah, I do think it's important. As far as revising an individual scene and making sure that scene has movement, um, what would you suggest for that? So I'm a big stickler for every scene needs to have an absolute point in your novel, even if it's a fun scene. So I think earlier we mentioned like, oh, putting like a prom scene in a YA contemporary because that's what they do, you know, go to prom. But something has to happen at the prom. You know, there needs to be a reason for the scene. So either, you know, the stakes need to be increased or like we just talked about, reveal new information or the character needs to learn something. How I like to look at it. And this is an exercise I do on other post-its, not the chapter plot point ones. I will like write the chapter. So like chapter five and I'll put either a plus or a minus on the left side and a plus and a minus on the right side for how the character's emotions are like, so the emotional plot. So if they're like, things are going pretty good, they get a plus. And if things are going pretty bad by the end of the chapter, it gets a minus. And then when you kind of look at all your chapters that way, you want a nice fluctuation of like plus and minus and plus and minus. You don't want plus, 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 you know, like plus and then a couple little minuses at the end. You know, that's not fun to read. So when you're looking at scenes, you really need to look at 
Can I increase tension with this scene? Can I increase the stakes with this scene, both external plot wise and emotional plot wise? You know, you're kind of, again, looking at all the moving parts that encompass a novel. But I, I very much believe that each scene needs to have a purpose within like one of those two plots. Yeah. Why does it exist? Mm-hmm. It has to have yeah. a purpose. Yeah. That why question again. Mm-hmm. And this is something I believe it doesn't matter on your genre or category. You know, it's not like this only applies to adult mysteries. You know, <laughs> YA needs to have it. Middle grade needs to have it. Like romance needs to have it. You know, like we talked about with romance before, like they're more emotionally plot heavy. But again, like, you know, a good romance book, you have the positive moments and the negative moments and, you know, scenes that are both wonderful and bad. So yeah, do you have any strategies when tackling like just specific scenes and getting them to like move the plot forward? Um, I think my strategy there is knowing the point of the scene, like you said, and making sure that it shows up on the page. And it depends on what part of the book I'm at for the scene strategy. But there's definitely cause and effect within the scene, right? If, if there's a dialogue, someone has to respond to someone that needs to make sense, their response. And people are always like pushing at each other, good ways or bad ways. And really thinking about what the character's goal is in that scene and what they're working for subconsciously or consciously too can help you push cause and effect inside a scene. Mm-hmm. So I think that's about it for today. So join us next week for my interview with Caitlin Moss, where we'll talk about her revision process and revising nonlinear stories. Thanks for listening to another episode of a novel ending podcast. If you're a fan of the show, please help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review and by sharing this episode with your community. And make sure to check out our website, anovelending.com, to learn more about what other services we offer. Happy revising!